Welcome to the show today, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. I just kicked off my National White Rose Resistance live tour at Life Church in Noblesville, Indiana, just outside of Indianapolis, with Pastor Micah Beckwith on our Turning Point Faith sponsored tour to launch this organization into the new year to be a pain in the butt, a fly in the ointment, a stick in the eye to the culture of death in this post-row moment. And Pastor Mike and I sat down to talk about Christian resistance in a post-row America and the need for every Christian to live the truth, speak the truth, and be willing to die on the mat for the truth. I think you're going to love this episode. Send it to your apolitical, wokey-woke friends, family members, and pastors, and buckle up. I'm Seth Gruber, and this is Unaborted. Hey, welcome to the Jesus Sex and Politics Podcast. I'm Micah. Nathan's not here today, but we're going to talk about all those things that scare you and that you're not supposed to talk about. Uh, okay, so we've got an amazing guest in the studio with us today. He spoke at our Sunday services over the weekend, and I'm telling you what, he blessed the Life Church community here uh, so, so greatly, and we are thankful for, for him and what he's doing. His name is Seth Gruber of the White Rose Resistance. Seth, thank you for joining us today. It is so good to have you, man. <laughs> yeah, Pastor Mike, it's, it's <clears throat> super fun. I, uh, I so enjoy um, hanging out with pastors and Christian leaders in this season who are either recently awakened or were always awakened, but got a little uh, slap on the butt, kind of a little <laughs> fire in their, in their, in their bones again, yep. just as a reminder of what we're contending against. And, and like I shared today with your wonderful people, Micah, the, the culture war was really just always a proxy war again for the spiritual war. Oh man. <clears> so and, good. And it, it's most of the American culture war issues our proxy war attacks against God in the Imago Day, and so <clears throat> if there's not a role for the church there, then then what is the church yeah. for? If not standing for the truth, and by the way, our Savior has a name, and one of those names is the way, the truth, and the life. Mm -hmm. And so if He's the objective standard, uh, and we can't stand for what He cares about, um, then then what, what what are we here? What are we even doing? And so so I appreciate you, brother, and it's fun to to get a few minutes with you after service before I head back to the airport. Love it, man. Well, hey. This is a, we're going to have a good conversation today. You, you blew the roof off this place with just your knowledge of history. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about that here today, but you talk about Planned Parenthood, the history of Planned Parenthood with Margaret Sanger, the eugenics, all the things that led into Nazi Germany, how Margaret Sanger influenced Hitler. I mean, you brought in just this idea that we are seeing an assault on the sanctity of life. Yep. And it's, and it's, it, don't think that you're in a weird season right now if you're listening to this where like this kind of stuff hasn't ever happened before and we're somehow, you know, this is a new battle that we find ourselves in as That's the church. Right. This has been going on generation after generation after generation. You can go all the way back even to the early church when abortion was still a thing even back in the days of the Romans and the Greeks because, and it was the church that was actually rescuing these orphan yep. babies that were well, being actually, Micah, that's a great point. Yeah. Let's start. Let's start Yeah, there. let's do it. Um, <clears throat> hey, Pastor Micah, Seth, you, you guys are a bunch of Republican rubes. You're <laughs> prostituting your faith to the GOP. You made politics an idol. There's no room for the church on these issues. You should just preach the gospel. Just go listen to Tim Keller, read the Gospel Coalition, avoid politics, it's dirty, nasty business, and just preach the gospel. If we had taken that kind of approach to the culture wars in the first century, uh, babies would have been being frozen outside and eaten by wolves and dogs yep. <clears throat> excuse me why was the church so ethnically diverse in the first century micah because they were adopting all the babies now why were they doing that because the romans and other people were doing something called exposure and they would leave their infants outside to die if i don't know dad wanted a boy and it was a girl Yep. Or there was a physical infirmity or a cleft lip, right? Which is more modern now in China where they, if you have a cleft lip, you're screwed. I mean, e either you're aborted mm -hmm. in the womb or if they don't have to identify it until after birth, you know, just leave the baby out to die, throw it, throw it in the trash. And so the church literally diversified itself by rescuing babies abandoned to die. How is that not the same thing from a moral perspective 
as unborn children who are killed at the tune of a million a year in America. Even with Roe v. Wade getting overturned, the abortion industry is pushing the abortion pill now, which you can ship through the American Postal Service. And so, unfortunately, abortion numbers are probably not decreasing, even with the overturning of Roe versus Wade um, in the long term until until people start to wake up. So, I mean, th- these are just babies. They're children. Our value does not come from our size, our level of development, how dependent we are on our parents, our yep. cognitive abilities. That's eugenics. That's Margaret Sanger's vision. That's her goal. That's her passion. Um, the church Christians believe that we have value because we bear the image of God. Mm-hmm. The, the same God who breathed out the freaking Milky Way and laughed animals into existence <laughs> and dropped oceans yeah. then made you, man, yeah. woman, as the peak and pinnacle of his creation, more valuable than anything else he had made, yep. despite what PETA might tell you, and gave you <laughs> dominance and dominion, the yep. first mandate. Well, the first mandate is be fruitful, be fr- multiply. Which is a good one. And, and, then, and then the <laughs> mandate to, to, <laughs> yeah, 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 to name, name the animals and take care of the garden yep. and everything. Um, and so he looks at you and he says, you look just like me. Mm. You bear my image. You're a reflection of me. So yes, human beings have value simply because they're human. But of course, the left, they always, they always want to create distinctions. They want to create categories or litmus tests for, oh, you have to function like this, or, or you have to have this IQ, yeah. or, or if you're a eugenicist like Sanger and yeah. the racist, you have to have this uh, skin color. Mm-hmm. You have to, be able, you have to uh, be able to support yourself and not be physically infirm. No, 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 no. If you haven't learned how bloody and evil that direction and that approach to humanity gets, you, you have not studied history. You first have to dehumanize before you can uh, basically wipe the world out yeah, so, with millions of people. So journalist Paul Greenberg years ago coined a very succinct axiom, Micah. He said, verbicide precedes homicide. Mm. And what he meant by that was the distortion by euphemism of language to camouflage or at least blunt the truth about the real killing that we want to do. Notice that the practitioners of genocide historically, Micah, um, have rarely used specific language to describe their injustices. Mm. So yeah. <laughs> the Holocaust became ethnic cleansing, right. yeah. or the Jews became the Jewish problem. Yeah. Uh, slavery became plantation care or economic rights, mm. was the argument. It was their <laughs> economic right. And we would go, but that's a person. That's yeah. a that's a. Dude, that's a black man. That's a person. You can't just let... No, no, it's, ec- it's economic rights. Yeah. And then abortion becomes what? Reproductive health care. Yeah. And their new one is reproductive justice. And so if you have young listeners to the show, if they don't know what we're talking about, a euphemism is uh, you know, when you, when you beat your wife and you call it sex. You know, it's, it's, it's when you beat your children and you call it babysitting. Uh, th- these are euphemisms. Yeah. You're actually doing something heinous and evil, but you're using... Uh, less than accurate language to make your injustice sound loving, compassionate, um, or necessary. So Seth uh, Dillon on the Joe Rogan podcast the other day uh, had a great quote. He said, abortion is healthcare the same way rape is lovemaking. That's right, yeah. So Seth Dillon, unfortunately, (laughs) the first Seth to publicly challenge (laughs) Joe Rogan for his pro-abortion beliefs. I was a little bit jealous, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I don't know Seth Dillon of the Babylon Beat, but I'm very jealous that I was not the first Seth to challenge Joe Rogan's pro-abortion You'll get there. But yes, no, and he said it, and Seth Dillon did an excellent job making the case for the pro-life position and he even you know recited the very succinct syllogism on the joe rogan experience for the pro-life position it's always wrong to intentionally kill innocent human beings abortion intentionally kills an innocent human being therefore abortion is wrong it because it forces the debate back to the humanity of the victim Mm. rather than the psychological emotional experience of that their parent is in Mm. that their mother is in no 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 there's a separate human being in question here who has their own body, their own bodily autonomy, yeah. and their own right, and certainly that would have to start with the right to life. Uh, but yes, euphemisms <clears throat> and language has always been the uh, one of the primary strategies of the secular progressive moral revolution, the redefinition of terms. And so Christians and, and conservatives, pro-lifers need to understand this, Micah. They've been doing this forever. They're doing it with inflation right now. Oh, yeah. They're redefining inflation. They won't won't define a baby, therefore they won't protect them. They won't define a woman, therefore they won't protect her. Wake up. Yeah. Who will they claim to not be able to define next or simply define out of existence? And so this has always been a key sort of tenet of 
of genocidal uh, governments, injustices. They've also done it with the question of life. So <clears throat> many years ago, when the when the abortion industry, Micah, wanted to start normalizing the birth control pill, right? You, you hear the pill, mm-hmm. right? Just the birth control mm-hmm. pill, which, by the way, actually can be an abortifacient, meaning it could cause abortions because the birth control pill, this will probably scandalize some of your listeners. A lot of people don't know this, but it, it blocks uh, the hormone progesterone, mm-hmm. um, which makes pregnancy very difficult. Um, secondly, it creates a mucus lining that makes the very difficult for the sperm to reach the egg. So when you're on the pill, right, <clears throat> and you're having and you're you know engaging in sexual intercourse, you're not supposed to get pregnant. Um, but if you do, there's a third mechanism in the abortion pill that could prevent implantation. Now remember, the science, right? We've been telling Fauci's been telling us for the last two years to follow the science, Michael, yeah, which is interesting because yeah. Fauci's pro-abortion and he funds the University of Pittsburgh where they scalp third and second trimester aborted children like old school Indians, like Elizabeth Warren with her, with her hacksaw. <laughs> Cause you remember she's an Indian. She's an Indian. And, then, and then they implant the scalps of the babies on lab rats to create what they call humanized mice. And they use the humanized mice that have human cells in them to find solutions to staph infections. Wow. So like I mentioned in one of the services this morning, Micah, the baby simply becomes a sacrifice on man's pursuit for eternal life. Wow. Uh, so anyways, just know that about Fauci. And plus he believes men can be women and women can be men. So science is now a meaningless term in the lexicon of the left. But Fauci has been telling us to follow the science. <clears throat> well, the science says that human life begins at the moment of conception. Because not only is that true, but it's the only, it's the only line that makes sense. Because when sperm and egg meet, sperm and egg die. So, right, we're talking about the redefinition yeah, of language. So right, let me give yeah. you some examples. You ever heard the left say fertilized egg? Yeah. They use this phrase a lot. Yeah. There's no such thing as a fertilized That's egg. Right, yeah. Because at fertilization or we, conception, the egg ceases to exist. Yeah. And a new human being comes into existence. So what they did in the um, early 70s, late 60s, early 70s, they started redefining when human life begins. And ACOG, the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, which, by the way, is a radically pro-abortion group, and other groups were complicit in changing the the publicly acknowledged, scientific acknowledged definition as human life beginning at conception to saying, no, 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 human life begins at implantation. And this Mm. went along with the popularization and marketing of the pill. I wonder why they'd want to do that. Yeah. Because they knew that most Americans would reject the birth control pill if they were aware that it had the potential to to prevent implantation yeah. because there's already a baby at conception. And yeah. within a few days, that baby travels down the fallopian tube and implants in the uterine wall, right? Implants, implantation. They changed the scientifically acknowledged definition mm, of human yeah. life, not beginning at conception, but beginning at implantation. So please notice this, Christian. Please listen. Who will they see, Who will they claim they can't define next? And what new definition will they redefine next? And every time they do this, it always goes along with some massive political agenda. Mm. So it's, it's the redefinition of terms to serve political goals and to then get their activist media and the, the elite class to run with all the headlines that this is now the accepted scientific definition, and this is one of the ways they up in society. Yeah, that's, that's fascinating, Seth. And you know this so well. I mean, God has gifted you to understand, like, uh, the spirit of the sons of Issachar. I mean, you know the times. You can interpret the times that we're living in. If you didn't catch today's message from Sunday morning, you can go back to LifeChurchIN.com, and you can listen to Seth's, Seth's message. But, Seth, I want to get into a little bit about what the White, white Rose resistance is. Um, um, and and so so listeners that haven't heard of you or haven't heard what what's going on with that they can somehow figure out how to you know support you pray about it and we want to see the white rose resistance take off because you know you laid it out fascinating uh, in a fascinating way today but boy gosh this is so needed in our culture right now because you're giving motivation and encouragement to the church to engage and you're giving them the tools and the resources resources to know how to engage too and I feel like there's a scene right that, that has been resonating with me for the last couple of years where we are in the American church it's the, it's that scene that um, in Top Gun when you have you have Maverick disengaging from the battle the last dog fight that they're right, in you right. know and he disengages because he's scared he's fearful and you see him you know like he's like speak to me goose speak to me goose right you know and ice is yelling at him and the intercom and the you know get it re-engage re-engage right and we're i think we're in that season right now where there's a lot of churches that know god speak to me lord speak to me and and they're off away from the battle right now and then you got a few fighters like yourself and some other people in the church that are saying get your butt in the fight 
you know, we need all the church engaged yeah. right now. Yeah, that's right. Get engaged. Yeah. And I feel like that's, that's where good. we are right now. I well, think that, you, that reminds me of the scene. You, you, so you, you're getting me all fired up now. <laughs> that reminds me of the scene from uh, The Patriot, which okay. is one of my yeah. top films. Oh, here. that's a good Patriot, yeah. Gladiator, yep. uh, Lord of the Rings, uh, you know, obviously Dumb and Dumber. Um, <laughs> so, you, <laughs> but in The Patriot, remember, uh, and Braveheart, of course, um, in that final battle, um, and I just forgot his name. Um, the well, Mel Gibson plays. Yeah, him, yeah, I, yeah. I forgot his name. And uh, in that final battle with with that guy who murdered his son. Yes, yeah. And and everyone's retreating and yeah. everyone's running back. And he picks up the flag. Yeah. And he just charges yeah. back onto the battlefield, back into the enemy's territory. And uh, I think his like general or whatever uh, or colonel like sees him and yeah. he's like, what? Let's go, and, the, and he and, and the, everyone starts going with him, and it like it gives people this new sense of courage, yeah. and this this new it. sense of drive, because sometimes that's all it takes. It takes a few people doing the right things yeah. and setting the example, um, and people follow. And we yeah. were talking about this earlier, right, Mike, about that that cowardice is contagious, but so is courage. Yeah. And a lot of the pastors that we've been united with in this season. Um, found each other and are now working together to defend life and liberty and contend for righteousness in the public square because a few of them were courageous yeah. and started finding each other because when the ranks thin out you find out who's really with yeah you. oh man and that's kind of where the that's church what 2020 right was now, man. right yeah. it totally was yeah. and so um yeah so be so because of that i think it's very important to not just know our history but be able to honor the sacrifices and legacy of Christian resistance fighters who were willing to lay it all on the line for their neighbor. Now, now for the uh, apolitical Christians who, in case they ever listen to this, he's like, is he calling for a theocracy? Is he calling for <laughs> violent Christian nationalism or whatever the heck that is? Uh, no, no. A Christian resistance fighter is, is not someone who goes around murdering their political opponents. It means to resist. It means to engage. It means to care as much about pr promoting life in the public square as the left has been for promoting death. It's so funny. They scream about Christian nationalism uh, and the theocracy. There's only one theocracy in America today, the theocracy of secular progressivism yeah. that demands adherence to its regime and tenets. And if you don't, you will be treated as a heretic of the religion of humanism yeah. and throw down into utter darkness uh, where there's also weeping and gnashing of teeth. I mean, it's just, it's just an alternative, like the church needs to recognize we're not contending against an alternative politics, like, like an alternative political vision for the yeah. country. It's like, Oh, we're, we're all good hearted people, Michael. We just disagree on the political vision for the country. No, no, no. We're contending against an alternative religion. Yeah. Um, by the way, and their sacrament is abortion and their liturgy is sex ed. Yeah. And we can get into that with, that's with Alfred Kinsey later. Yeah. So that's, that's what we're contending against. <clears throat> and so one of the reasons I think the church is so cowardly and disengaged and confused is because we've lost our moorings. We don't know who we are and we don't know where we are. Um, and try navigating a ship that way. Mm. I mean, try, try, <laughs> today, yeah. try, try getting anywhere without your iPhone, <laughs> right, without Google Maps. Like, if you don't know where you are. I have a Rand McNally atlas in my car. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, okay. Siri telling you where to turn everywhere. <laughs> and it's true of me, too. I don't know. I, I, we just moved, and I don't know where I'm going. I can't even tell you the names of the highways because I've become so dependent on my, my map phone. But um, if you don't know where you are, then you don't know where you're going. Yeah. That's good. And you don't know how to get there. And the, the same is true in our spiritual lives. The same is also true in our political life. P politics just means public. It comes from the word public. It's the public issues, how yeah. we all live together. City. It came from the... Yeah, the polis. The, yeah, polis. City, yeah. Yeah. And how we, how we debate ideas, how yeah. we choose to live together, how we arrange society in a certain way because, hey, we all got to live in this society. Mm -hmm. uh, so... You know, so for the Christian and for the American Christian, politics is just stewardship. Yeah, because how we determine how we it's all the live business together. of the city. Yeah, is what exactly. It is. Yeah. So, yeah. so if there's not a role for the Christian there, then then I don't know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. So, um, so if if we don't know the scriptures and we don't know our own history, then we won't know where we are, where we're going. Yeah. So it's, it, it's you know we have the the church history we have the, the his story yeah. and, and we have to go back to the scriptures to learn that a lot of that but we also have to just study world history this is our world this is planet earth people live on it people yeah. lived on it for thousands of years and yes god intervenes in the affairs of men but but 
even in times when it feels like he's not, you still have to know your history. Yeah. You still have to know the human events that happened in order to make sure you don't repeat those problems. And so obviously everyone talks about the Holocaust and everyone talks about Hitler, but I, I, I think there's actually some really important lessons uh, from that time period because things happen gradually, Micah, then suddenly. And this mm. is a very important point to make about the nature of evil and the spirit of the age. He, until 2020, he was very good at not overplaying his hand. Because if you move too quickly, then the good people will wake up and realize what you're trying to pull off, what your agenda is. Mm. So evil usually moves gradually in order to lull the good people into a reverie. What was, the, uh, what was the C.S. Lewis uh, screw tapes? Uh, screw tape letter? Yeah, um, yeah, so screw tape tells Wormwood, he says, as the humans have said... Active habits are strengthened by repetition, but passive ones are weakened. The longer he, the Christian, feels without acting, the less he will be able ever to act. Mm. And in the long run, the less he will be able to feel at all. So in other words, so apathy. feel all the yeah. right things, yeah. but just never contend for those truths that you mm -hmm. feel, never contend for the rights of your neighbor, who inwardly you're mourning over their injustices, but never do anything about it. And yeah. then the longer you do that, in the end, you'll just become a spiritually degenerate couch potato who does yeah. nothing about the evil that you see in the world. And so, but the enemy always moves gradually. And remember, this is a lesson, as I, as I answer your question <laughs> and share about the White Rose Resistance, this is a lesson from Nazi Germany. In 1933, boycotts of Jewish businesses began. 1933. Mm -hmm. And Jews were barred from holding civil service uh, and at university and at the state positions. In 1935, anti-Jewish racial laws were enacted and Jews were barred from serving in the German armed, armed forces. In 1936, Jewish doctors were barred from practicing medicine in German institutions. In 1937, Buchenwald opens. By 1938, Jews are required to register all property held inside the Reich. By the end of the year, all Jewish students are expelled from German schools. By 1939 and 1940, Jews are forced to wear a yellow star, and the final solution begins shortly after. So notice, first Hitler just denied Jews certain rights of citizenship. No one is killed. Mm -hmm. In many ways, their lives could continue as normal. But things happen gradually, then suddenly in order to lull people into apathy. As my pastor Rob McCoy says, tyranny is achieved by incremental obedience by good people who submit to systematic control. Mm. And then by the time you're awakened and choose to do something, <laughs> too late. the enemy goes, ha, 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 ha. You waited too long. Yeah. And, and so you it's, wake it's up in very a concentration concept. camp. Yeah, that's yeah. right. It's a very important concept um, to learn about the nature of evil and the spirit of the age. And now he seems to have overplayed his hand in the last couple of years, which is why so many Ezekiel watchmen are waking up and contending and waking up other lions. I think we're past the point of trying to wake up the sheep. I think the sheep who are going to awaken have already awakened. We need to wake up the other sleeping lions. Yeah, that's good. Uh, and so this this is that moment. And so there were obviously you have Dietrich Bonhoeffer and others, but one of the least known and most inspirational stories from Nazi Germany was the story of the White Rose Resistance. In fact, these students were so brave that they they caught the attention of Bonhoeffer. They had a meeting on the calendar to connect with Bonhoeffer and other you know Christian resistance fighters, and they never made that meeting because they were killed. And so in, in 1942, we're, I mean, this is full on now. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. Sophie Scholl, this 21-year-old brave young woman, a deep and abiding faith in the Lord. Uh, her, her father had actually been the mayor of a, of a town outside of Munich. They're a little bit more liberal parents, but more in the classical liberal sense, so they despised Hitler. And actually, her father spent some time in jail for speaking out against uh, Hitler and the Nazis. Wow. Um, and, but she, she developed a very deep and robust Christian faith on her own. So 21, Mike, she comes across this, this pamphlet, this piece of paper one time, and it said leaflets of the white rose. He's like, what's that? She reads through it, and it's like blasting the Nazis, calling out their crimes explicitly. They said things in their leaflets like, we are the white rose resistance, we are your conscience, and we will not leave you alone. Oh, I love it. They said things like, if you know, why do you not act? Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like powerful, like wake up. Yep. And so she, her heart is stirred to action. And we have letters from Sophie that she wrote to her kind of maybe boyfriend, this man, this man named Fritz. And so we, we have a sense and window into Sophie's level of moral clarity 
even leading up to 40 and 41 when she was 18 and 19, mm. 19 and 20. And so she despised Hitler and everything that was happening. So she demands to join the White Rose Resistance. And <laughs> come to find out, as she started asking questions and reading through it, she's like, she's like, this sounds a lot like what my brother's, how my brother talks sometimes. And she, <laughs> come to find out her brother not only co-founded the White Rose Resistance, but was one of its leaders. Wow. So Hans Scholl was 24. And so if he was 21... But you see, he was just trying to protect his little sister. Yeah. Right? He's a good brother. Because yeah. he understood how illegal. Oh, yeah. Dangerous, how right? dangerous. 1942. Yeah. I mean, people were killed by the Nazis for far less than what, than oh, what right. they were doing, Micah. Now, you would be, in this sense, you would not just be killed. You'd be tortured and made made oh, an example and feathered, of. Yeah. Made an example of. And they, yeah. were, they were made an example yeah. of. And so, um, for the rest of 1942, Sophie joins as the only woman and the youngest member of the White Rose Resistance. Although their bravery spawned other chapters across Germany. But they were kind of in the Munich area. And so they stay up all night and they write these anti-Nazi leaflets. And their focus was to expose, educate, and resist. So it wasn't just to whine and complain like a lot of, mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe more right-leaning podcasts or talk show hosts who, we won't name names, but you know, there, there is a <laughs> tendency on the right to, to tend towards just complaining and whining about yeah. the state of the country. It's like, what are you doing about it? Yeah. Like, wake up, evil people do evil things. Like, what, what? Yeah. what are you surprised about? Um, <clears throat> and so they were calling out these crimes, exposing it, but then the focus of the leaflets were like, where are you, German people? Mm. The call was to resist, to do something. And so they, they stay up all night. They print out these leaflets. They get some private funding. They buy postage all around Munich because they, if you're buying in bulk, you're going to raise awareness. Oh, I mean, they yeah. were very strategic. Yeah. And then... Um, they would take trains in the middle of the night around to major German cities and they would drop off just piles of these illegal leaflets to oh. wake people up. And so they took things to the next level in February of 1943. And on February 18th, uh, Hans and Sophie, brother and sister, walk into the campus at the University of Munich. Now, Sophie, she argued that she should be the one to go because as a young woman, she'd be le le least likely to be searched. Or apprehended and so she carried a suitcase full of these illegal leaflets mm. just i mean just picture like a 21 year old with that level of commitment yeah. and clarity and, and faith in christ so they start distributing these leaflets kind of during a quieter time probably during class time in the halls of the university of munich and then in this iconic scene that's been you know retold in books and movies she shoves an entire stack of leaflets off the third floor balcony of the university down to the atrium below and by the way if you go to germany today there's a school named after them there's you know memorials you know there's an area outside there on the sidewalk where their leaflets are kind of permanently arranged into the concrete with their faces yeah, i mean they're cool. heroes yeah. of course a lot of members of the left try to own them and they say like the white rose resistance would have been standing up against conservatives if they yeah, lived today right. like they yeah. totally misinterpreted yeah. like yeah, you didn't get that right yeah uh, and um so the janitor, uh, who's a deeply committed Nazi, caught, catches Hans and Sophie in the act, has them arrested. For the next four days, they're interrogated, questioned. Sophie was physically abused. And Hans takes all responsibility, says Sophie didn't know what she was doing. She was just hanging out with me, and, and Sophie ends up confessing. They, can, they protect all of their other friends. They claim that no one else was involved in the White Rose resistance, just the two of them. Wow. Unfortunately, they found incriminating evidence at the Scholl's apartment that, in, that uh, implicated their friend Christoph Probst, um, who was 26 maybe. Uh, who they did not want at the campus that day because his wife was in the hospital recovering from giving birth to their baby. Oh, man. And he gets, in, he gets implicated. Four days later, four days, February 22nd, 1943, they're taken to the guillotine and they have their heads chopped off. Wow. And during these four days, we have a lot of accounts of what happened sort of providentially, uh, Micah, because Sophie was put in a cell with a cellmate and her name was Elsie Gebel. E-L-S-E, Elsie Gebel, not Elsa, Elsie. And uh, Elsie survived the Holocaust, and she was able to later recount to Sophie's parents her final four days, mm. swing by swing, everything that happened. Wow. Um, except, of course, for the interrogation process. But every time in the cell was with Sophie, and, and Sophie started speaking with a level of clarity and depth that just transcended the German pulpits. Um, it, it was as if God condensed 21 years of passion, energy, and drive into four days. Mm, wow. Um, and, and I'll share one line with you because I think that this is what the church needs today. And, and it's, it's what we need on the issue of abortion because you see the unborn is a very convenient victim class. Um, they can't do anything. 
to speak up and defend themselves. They're much more vulnerable and weak than the Jews were who were rounded up for slaughter. I'm not saying it was the Jews' fault for getting killed. I'm just saying this is a baby dude. Yeah. Um, and the longer we tolerate any genocide or any level of killing of innocent, the, the sooner actually we'll find that that tyranny will come home for us yeah. as well. And so Sophie said near the end of her life, she said, the real damage is caused by all of those millions out there who just want to survive. Those honest men who just want to be left in peace. Those who don't want their little lives disturbed by anything bigger than themselves. Those with no sides and no causes. Mm. Sounds like Tim Keller's middle wayism. Yeah, no sides right. and no causes. Those who won't take measure of their strength for fear of antagonizing their own weaknesses. Those who don't like to make waves or enemies. Yeah. Um, those for whom freedom, honor, truth, and principles are just literature. Mm-hmm. Those who live small die small. You see, it's the, it's the reductionistic approach to life. If you keep it small, you'll keep it under control. If you don't make any noise, the boogeyman won't find you. Mm-hmm. But it's all an illusion because they die too. Yeah. Those people who roll up their spirits into tiny little balls so as to be safe. Safe, said Sophie, from what? Life is always on the edge of death. Narrow streets lead to the same place as wide avenues. And a little candle burns itself out just like the flaming torch does. I choose my own way to burn. Mm. That's good. So she understood that evil men do evil things. Wake up, get used to it. The real damage is caused by you. As Reagan said, evil is powerless when the good are unafraid. Yeah, that's so good. And so the longer we tolerate these kinds of abuses and injustices, and, and, and I'll argue, Micah, that abortion is actually the greatest human rights violation in human history. I agree with that. If you're a Christian and you believe that God knits life together in the womb, actually, you don't even need to be a Christian. I know progressive atheist pro-life activists. Mm-hmm. They do exist. They're a very rare breed, but they are out there. Who acknowledge no Imago Dei. They acknowledge no creator. And they're more... They're more courageous in their pro-life activism than many Christians I know. Yeah. And, and they explain their ethic as simply, well, they're human beings. And our value doesn't come from our functions, capacities, you know, abilities, what we, what we contribute, but simply from the fact we're human beings. Yeah. So they, they have that eternity written on the heart of man. They need to remember why these children are valuable because God created them. But, but, it, but regardless, especially if you're a Christian, then you need to understand God sees no distinction in humanity and therefore no distinction in value between the child in the womb and the child outside the womb. That's good. Which would mean then that the only possible conclusion you could say is that abortion is the greatest genocide in human history. 65 million children at least murdered in their mother's wombs, in the safety of their mother's wombs, for the penalty of being alive in America since 1973. We kill 45 to 50 million babies a year worldwide. 45 to 50 million children a year worldwide. This this makes Stalin, Hitler, and Mao look like toddlers playing in a sandbox. Yeah. But we've tolerated it for so long. And then I'll throw the ball back to you because you let me go on a on a no, soapbox here. But, but here here here's here's a point we need to make as we transition. Um, those who murder the unborn cannot be trusted to govern the born. And those who believe that the right to life is a fiction and a fantasy will have no right abusing you. Mm. As long as our government continues to ignore the natural right to life of an entire class of human beings, our own rights will constantly be endangered by modern jurists and a ruling class whose jurisprudence is completely foreign to the founding fathers. Mm -hmm. And by ignoring the natural right to life that all human beings have, we should not be surprised when that government ignores every other right that flows from that first and most important of all rights, which is why Thomas Paine, writing in Common Sense, arguing for American independence pre-1776, said this. He said, There are people, too, who see not the full extent of the evil which threatens them. They solace themselves with the hope that the enemy, if he succeeds, will be merciful. Mm. It is the madness of folly to expect mercy from those who have refused to do justice. And those who call the limb dismemberment of children in the womb reproductive justice do not know justice, and you should not expect mercy from them. So don't be surprised when that tyranny 
comes home for you, Christian. Mm. I did not speak up when they took the socialists. Yep. Because I was not a socialist. Martin, I did not Martin speak. Niemöller. Yep. By the way, Martin Niemöller was initially a little bit of an anti-Semite. He kind of, yeah, he was kind of on board with some of the anti-Jewish sure. stuff for a while. He repented, joined the Confessing Church with Bonhoeffer, helped found it, spent a few years in a concentration camp, mm. survived, and then after the war, he famously said, yeah. first they came for the socialists. I did not speak up because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists, and I did not speak up because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak up because I was not a Jew. And then they came for me. And there was no one left, so no one could speak up for me. Yeah. That's, you know, that, that is exactly where we are in America. If, if you're listening to this right now and you're saying, okay, I see the writing on the wall. I see it clearly. What do we do? The, the, the practical application of all of this is to get Christians to open their mouths and to call out the evil and to stand boldly against the evil with God's truth. And that's the, cause people ask me all the time, say, Michael, well, what do I do? And I just say, open your mouth and yep. speak out truth. Yep. Because when you declare truth, that is the that is the thing the devil hates and fears the most is Christians who know how to speak the authority of the truth of God. Yep. And when you do it, you're you're bringing you're waking up the masses that way. You don't have to take a gun. You don't have to go out and shoot somebody. You don't have to go out and be violent with somebody. You, you just go out and you begin to declare openly what God says is right and what God says is wrong. Now, do you know do you know how I know it's so effective? Because look at how hard the devil works to silence the voices of truth, God's truth on social media, yep. in your place of work, yep. in your in your yeah, schools. The, the truth is never afraid of a lie, but the lie is always definitely afraid of oh, the truth. Absolutely. You know, Mike, Pastor, you're you're speaking about people who we're talking about people who know the right things but yeah. won't speak. Yeah. You know, I I was thinking about Revelation twenty one recently. Oh, that's a good one. Oh I know it's very sobering. I know, I know what you're gonna say. Yeah, Revelation twenty one yeah. five through eight. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have his heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the... Wait for it. What's the first one? Cowardly. Wait, wait. So wait, you're telling me that the Lord lists the cowardly first... It can't be that bad of people then, because well, what comes what comes after? Well, sure, everything after this, Mike. It must it must just be like you know like uh, video speeding, gamers, speeding tickets, yeah, and, and you like know. social media addicts. I'm yeah. sure it's just like caffeine yeah. addicts. Because right? cowardly is not that bad. Yeah, yeah. Is it? But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, uh, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars. Their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. I mean, isn't it interesting that, wow. that, that God chooses to put the cowardly first? That's crazy, uh, and that's a very uh, not that's a bad list to be a part of. Yeah, you don't want to be. That's right. That's right. With that list. And, and here's the other thing too, Michael. The, the longer you know the right thing and fail to say it, or fail to do it, the sooner you will not recognize who you are anymore. Because you see, just as physical atrophy occurs through not using your muscles, so does moral atrophy occur through not using your voice. That's good. You have to speak. You have to exercise that courage. You have to build it up. And you have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah. And, and trust that God's going to work through you when you step out in obedience. And so this, um, um, what's his name? Um, he's a, um, Theodore Dalrymple is a... Um, He's from England, and he's, he's sort of a prison psychiatrist and counselor, physician, really interesting guy. He's actually, been, he's actually been on the Jordan Peterson podcast before. And he made an interesting point about when you refuse to speak or when you're forced to speak lies and what it does to you. And he said, uh, he said political correctness is communist propaganda writ small. Hmm. Political correctness is communist propaganda writ small. He said, in my study of communist societies, I came to the conclusion that the purpose of communist propaganda was not to persuade or convince, not to inform, but to humiliate. And therefore, the less it corresponded to reality, the better. He said, when people are forced to remain silent, when they are being told the most obvious lies, mm. or even worse, when they're forced to repeat those lies themselves, they lose once and for all their sense of probity. That's a synonym for integrity. 
when they're forced to repeat the lies themselves, they lose once and for all their sense of integrity. To assent to obvious lies in some small way makes one evil oneself. One's standing to resist anything is thus eroded and even destroyed. A society of emasculated liars is easy to control. I think if you examine political correctness, it has the same effect and is intended to. Yep. Because political correctness in today's day and age is just lies. Yep. Because what's politically correct? Um, Richard Levine is a woman. That's politically <laughs> correct. What's politically correct? Um, gay marriage. That's politically correct. There's no such thing as gay marriage. Marriage necessarily defined means it can only be a man and a woman. What else is politically correct? Um, Babies are not persons. Uh, Abortion is women's health care. Abortion is health care. That's politically correct. Um, These are all lies. Yeah. And he makes an interesting point that it serves the same purpose and goals as communist propaganda, which is to humiliate the masses. Because if you see a lie and you know it's a lie and you don't speak up against it, you decay inside. Mm. You lose your own sense of integrity and self-worth. And a society of emasculated liars is easy to control. Oh, man. To go along to get along. And so we've been adopting this strategy that one writer called Ketman. Ketman was a, a Persian word that meant the appearance of Islamic orthodoxy um, in order to avoid persecution. So in other words, Ketman is this idea that like inwardly you're saying, I don't agree with what's inwardly. You're telling yourself that this is wrong. We shouldn't be, but I disagree with the current state of affairs and the status quo, but outwardly you go along to get along. You don't pose a threat to the entrenched regime, it's putting and its a, agenda. It's putting a gay gay uh, pride flag outside your place of business because right. you just don't want the mob coming from you. Well, you don't yeah. necessarily agree with well, it. Yeah, to, and but, today that just yeah. means putting up the logo of the DNC over the door of your business, so <laughs> the spirit go. of the age will pass over you. <laughs> <laughs> right. So that's basically that's all. And, and so Ketman is this is this idea that that you're playing the role of an actor. Um, in order to avoid persecution or discomfort. Yeah. But here's the problem. Method actors. The longer you portray <laughs> the the longer you portray um a character, um you'll eventually become the character that well, you portray. Isn't that exactly what happened to Heath Ledger? He was a method actor. He became the Joker mm-hmm. in Batman. Yep. He had to essentially become a crazy man and he played it. He became it so much that it literally led him to commit suicide. Yep. Isn't that crazy? I mean, that's like, that's exactly what you're saying right here. Eventually you will, your actions will lead you into becoming what you. So it's back to, it's back to the, the screw tape line you asked me about earlier. Yeah. That active habits are strengthened by repetition, but passive ones are weakened. Right. Right. Because Mm -hmm. your, um, your moral, your morality is also a muscle. And so you have to exercise That's and good. practice it. Yep. And so the longer you don't, um, the more you actually change inside. You yep. become the actor you portray, which is what? A coward. Mm. Because if you know the lie and you know the truth and you refuse to call the lie a lie and you refuse to speak the truth, you're just a coward. Yeah, that's right. And you will eventually become a coward through and through. And you will eventually be thrown into the lake of fire yep. with all yep. the other yep. cowards. And so so we have these inspirational figures like Sophie and Hans Scholl um, who were the total opposite of that and who laid it all out on the line. And Sophie said, how can we expect righteousness to prevail when there's hardly anyone willing to give themselves up individually to a righteous cause? And she looked outside of her jail window. And it was a beautiful day, the day she was killed. And she said, such a fine sunny day. I have to go now. But what does my death matter if through us thousands of people are awakened and stirred to action? And so I'm rebuilding the white rose resistance for this generation at this Kairos moment against our silent but actually far more deadly Holocaust. The reason we think Sophie brave and courageous, Mike, is because she sacrificed far more with far less freedom to stand against her Holocaust 
than we have ever done to stand against ours. Mm. She was taken to the guillotine. What, what, what's going to happen to you, Christian, if you say abortion is not health care? If you say um, that, that abortion is the pagan child sacrifice to Moloch and any church that tolerates this will inevitably decay as well. What's going to happen to you if you stand outside of an abortion center and you lovingly tell moms who are walking in to kill their children, mom, we love you. We love that baby. We're here for you. Whatever you need, our church would love to throw you a baby shower and celebrate the mom that you already are. What do you need? We're here for you. What's going to happen to you? What's the worst? A couple pro-lifers, a few, a handful in the last 50 years got run over by cars. Usually you'll just get spit on or get the bird, get a middle finger. Sophie got her head chopped off. And so, Christian, I'm not asking you to sacrifice your head, but I am asking you to sacrifice your heart. Mm. And and so even if you don't feel like God has specifically laid the plight of the unborn on your heart, that's actually beside the point. Because I'm not saying God has called everyone to be full-time pro-life activists. That would be silly. There's, there's lots of other issues that Christians need to be engaged and involved in. I'm not saying that. But I am saying this. You should care about prioritizing the right to life, even for selfish reasons. Now, you should pray that God breaks your heart over abortion, Christian. You should pray that God breaks you down to tears on your bed at night over the plight of the unborn. But even if you don't feel that brokenness now, by the way, go to abortionno.org and look at some abortion imagery and videos and see Mm. if that breaks your heart. Abortionno.org. Go watch babies get ripped limb from limb. Let's see if that does it for you, Christian. But even if God hasn't laid it on your heart specifically... You should care about ending it for selfish reasons, to protect your own rights and the rights of your children and grandchildren. Because look at how the spirit of the age is ramping up. With the overturning of Roe versus Wade, they're now two weeks ago, Pastor Micah, the Biden administration said, "We need, hey, we need to revise this. Um, we need to revise this federal law um, that prevents uh, sex discrimination in medicine." And then we need to revise it so that we add pregnancy as a condition of sex, which is hilarious. Now oh they know. Now they know what a woman is. Yeah, again, I guess, well, I guess only yeah. women can't get pregnant now. Isn't that freaking hilarious? <laughs> as I told your people today, Micah, uh, when when Democrats are told they might not be able to kill as many children, suddenly they know what women are. <laughs> you know? um, oh, trust me. When I was down at the state house fighting for uh, life, I got told many times, "You can't have an opinion on this because you're not a woman." And I would say, "Well, I know, I know you can define women. Yeah, like yeah, this yeah. is amazing. Praise yeah. the Lord! It's a miracle. You know yeah, what a woman yeah. is." Did again. you just? Oh my God, that's right. a dangerous thing to do I in said, the age you, of Bruce Jenner. You bit, you bigot. I yeah, identify yeah. as a woman. How yeah. dare you? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I shaved this morning. I, yeah. My five o'clock shadow is not there. You should not assume I'm a man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Um, what was I saying? I don't know. We were making fun of the left. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but you. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, the, yeah, the 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 longer that you tolerate. Oh yeah. So the Biden administration, what they're doing is they're trying to revise this federal um, statute so that they can add sex discrimination Mm. as uh, pregnant pregnancy as a condition of sex. So that if a pro-life obstetrician and gynecologist, Micah says, I don't kill babies on pro-life, the left wants to set up the federal code in such a way that you can sue pro-life obstetricians for pregnancy discrimination. Wow. Now, you and I would, by, by, oh, by the way, let's go back to the top of the show, redefining terms. Yeah. What's pregnancy discrimination? Uh, being fired for being pregnant. That would be true <laughs> pregnancy discrimination, yeah. which Betty Friedan and the early feminists stood up against pre-Roe versus Wade. The, 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 the early first wave feminists, you and I probably wouldn't have a huge issue. No. We we disagree on some things, yeah. but they weren't bra-burning abortophilic yeah. Moloch worshipers. Yeah. They were just saying, they weren't hey, the ones can we the... not be fired yeah. for being <laughs> pregnant? Like, you know, that, Betty Ferdan was fired for being pregnant. So wow. that would be pregnancy discrimination. But, but whoa, 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 whoa. Now they want us to say, if, if you won't kill a baby <laughs> as a pro-life doctor. That's pregnancy discrimination, oh doctor. So back to the redefinition of terms. So anyway, my point is this. They're coming for us all. Yeah. Right. Justice is dead in America, and here's one of the reasons. Because of our toleration of child sacrifice. How can a country maintain itself when it's built on the mutilated bodies of 65 million children? Mm. Um, here, let me prove it to you again. If God intervenes in the affairs of men, then he will he will give a nation over to our enemies that kills its own children. And this is biblical, by the way. Um, remember uh, Gideon yeah. and the Midianites? Yeah. So 
the, you know, the, it's Bernie Sanders socialism, basically, right? The, the Israelites would make their weed and their labor and the Midianites would come in. Oh, yeah, it's perfect, it, yeah. Right? It's, it's like the false promises of Bernie Sanders' yeah. utopian democratic <laughs> socialism. Uh, and so so Gideon, he's hiding out in a cave making his own weed, right? It's tax evasion. And uh, and so God comes down to Gideon. He's like, mighty man of valor, right? In yeah. Jud- Judges 6. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, you, you know, you, Gideon's like, where have you been? <laughs> you told us you'd brought us out of Egypt. You told us you would protect us. And now the Midianites are yeah. owning us and they're taking what we make. Like, what is going on? And uh, and then like God cooks a meal for him and lights it on fire and he proves that he's God and Gideon's like oh gosh okay and uh, and, and then the first thing God tells Gideon to do now you think he's about to download a strategy of like military engagement right it's time to make some Midianite he- Midianite head roll baby yeah you know g- give me that gladiator spear yeah. like, no 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 he doesn't he doesn't tell him here's how we're gonna wipe out the Midianites he says do you remember this he says. Go tear down that idol to Moloch and Asherah. Yeah, that's good. This is high kingdom business for our Lord, Micah. That's good. He tells Gideon, stop sacrificing my babies. Mm. Go tear down that place where you cook my children. Mm. Start with that. Yeah, that's good. Then we'll get to the fact that you're being oppressed. Historically, God has gave the Israelites over to be ruled by those who hate them because of baby sacrifice. Yeah. And, and so if, if, if you want a new birth of freedom in this country, Christian, if you want God to pour his spirit out on this country again, we got to give him a reason to do it. Well, you know what it is. It's God can't bless things that are living under a curse. Yep. And he doesn't put us under curses. We put ourselves under those curses. Right. We step out from un, out, outside the umbrella of God's protection and blessing. And he says, okay, you can now do that. But and, and then we get outside of it and we start having all these problems. And then we get ruled by people who hate us. And then we say, well, Lord, where have you been? And yep. the Lord said, I've been here all the time. Yep. I've My umbrella has not changed. Yep. You walked out from wow. my umbrella. Now tear down your your idols and get your butt back into yeah. my umbrella so that I yeah. can do what I what I want to do. Remember, it says God hardened Pharaoh's heart, and, and some Christians who aren't really good students of the word will go, that's not fair, Pastor Micah. How is God doing that? That's not fair. If we're supposed to have the freedom to choose God, then how could God harden our heart? It's like, well, no, go read it. The first times it says Pharaoh hardened his heart. Yeah. Remember? Yeah. That's the right. first times that he changed his mind on yeah. Moses, it didn't say God hardened yeah. his heart. It said Pharaoh hardened yeah. his own heart. And he hardened it enough to the point that God gave him what he yeah. wanted. God said, All right, fine. Yep. You know what? You're hardening. I'm just going to put a stamp of approval on that hardening heart and you're going to come up against him. And isn't that a freight train? Yeah. Isn't that frightening? Yeah. Dude, I love what you're doing, man. You just like you got so much knowledge. Seriously, if you did not listen to uh, Life Church message today, go back and check it out at lifechurchin.com because Seth just brought it like nobody's business, and and he's uh, he's just doing incredible things for for standing for truth in this culture. And again, we got to reverse this curse. So. God did such an amazing thing by overturning Roe, by setting up the three Supreme Court justices under Donald Trump, by yep. seeing what, why, where we're going here. I mean, like we, he is giving us a way out. Yeah. Now the question is that that door has been opened. Now, do we walk through that door? Because it's not over yet. Yep. Now we're battling this at the state level, and the church needs to arise. I, we saw it here in Indiana. Trust me, if you're just hoping that your Republican legislatures do the job that the church is, is being called to do, wow. you're going to be very disappointed. Right. I saw this in Indiana. The Republican legislature barely, bar- I mean, by the skin of their teeth, barely got something through that would limit the abortions in Indiana. And this is a wow. supermajority Republican legislature. Okay, so the church, yeah, that's probably because we had a lot of pastors. The businesses were threatening to leave Indiana more than the churches were doing their job of calling up the legislators. Let them. It'll attract other pro-patriots to do business in Indiana. It's like, those people that are going to leave over this, we don't want you here in the first place. Yeah, that's right. So it'll just give us more room to... And right. so anyway, this, thanks for what you're doing, Seth. And, uh, well, I want and, you to say something, yeah, Micah, yeah, before we finish sure. and then, and then, uh, and then I got to get out of here. But, yep. um, you know, we were talking about how the Lord has united so many pastors and Christians yeah. in this season who are willing to be like Sophie and lay it on the line, who are willing to be like Bonhoeffer, who, by the way, Bonhoeffer once beautifully put the call that we need to put on other Christians. If any pastors are listening to this or Christians with a platform or authors, this is the call for you today to join this this united front of Christians across theological lines 
who acknowledge the sovereignty of Christ, the deity of Christ, the life, death, resurrection of Christ, and what that means for the church. Bonhoeffer said, just do and dare what is right, not swayed by the whim of the moment. He said, uh, bravely take hold of the real, not dallying now with what might be, not in the flight of ideas, but only in action is freedom. Um, he said, uh, I'm forgetting the rest of it now. He said, um, come out, uh, he said, uh, uh, come out into the tempest of the living. Mm. God's command is enough and his faith in you to sustain you. Then at last freedom will welcome your spirit amid great rejoicing. Only in action is freedom. We, We were made to act. We were made to do something. We were made to stand for something bigger than ourselves. And when we do it, we find that we're free. Yeah. Because we're consistent now. Mm -hmm. We're the same person. We're contending for what we believe. We're giving it over to God to be used by him. Not in the flight of ideas, not these utopian Christian liberalism, you know, pipe dreams about what America could look like. Deal with what is happening now. The real. And then your spirit will welcome you to freedom amid great rejoicing. And, and so I'm sensing that is that there's just this excitement in dark times for obeying Christ because we're watching what he's doing. And so you had a great picture that you shared yeah. um, that God gave you recently yeah. uh, on how he sort of caused you to see the alignments in the church of this season. Why don't you share that? Cause yeah, I think, I think it's good. encouraging for people. No. So that's great. So when I was running for Congress uh, two years ago, the Lord got me into that race because of what you're saying. It's like, Church, get in the game, do something. And I was like, okay, well, what do you want me to do, Lord? And he said, run for Congress. I was like, oh my gosh, this is nuts, right? Well, it, it, it was an amazing, it was an amazing way God just really started to set me up to be a truth speaker and an influencer. But in, in so doing, I, I got to meet a lot of different people. And I didn't know, I mean, God just brought people into my purview that I had no idea how I how I even got there and and how they got there. And, and so I find myself sitting at this meeting, uh, with a family from Fort Wayne and and they were an Amish uh, family and they owned this big Amish uh, lumber yard in Fort Wayne. And now if you know anything about the Amish, they don't really involve themselves politically in the sense that they vote, but they, they will get involved and help conservative godly candidates to run right. and so they were they were looking to help me support me financially right and i'm sitting in this beautiful like business room and these guys are like business you know savants they just i mean everything is immaculate they've got these well put together business plans i mean their business is super successful and it was a father and a son and then wow. the grandkids i mean it was just handed down right so i'm in this meeting room with the father and the son of this huge lumber yard and uh and i get this i hear the lord just kind of whisper to me he said micah Look at around. Look at around you. And I had a former, uh, a good friend of mine, Marlon Stutzman, who was a former U.S. congressman, uh, and then my my campaign manager Zach Rogers, who's uh, a believer, but you know he's uh, in the uh, uh, he's he's also uh, up in the Fort Wayne area. But but there we all came from different walks of life. And I look around this table, and the Lord mm-hmm. just says, Michael, look look around this table. Look at the diversity around this table. Not everyone. You all don't right. ascribe to the same uh, th- uh, theological. Uh, viewpoints in every in every right. aspect yep. but he said i'm weaving you together for the common good of coming together against this enemy that's bearing down on your nation right now and he said remember what it looked like when those uh those heroes in tolkien's lord of the rings right. unified you had a dwarf and an elf you had a man and you had a hobbit and you had a wizard and you had people and, and the eagles <laughs> and you had the eagles yes you yeah you had you had be- yeah that's right you had these beings that would never in a million years right. ever associate with one another they were in their little tribes they're little tribal groups yeah, well, doing their thing. And the Lord said, I'm bringing you together like like Tolkien showed in The Lord of the Rings. You're going to work with those that you never thought you'd work with, but wow. you're going to align. And not only that, you will find friendship and you will find a love and you will find a commitment to me that grows deeper than you'll ever even realize. And, and I just, you know, from that moment on, I'm like, okay, this is going to be fun. Yeah, yeah. And to your point, Seth, there's an excitement. Yeah. You know, people look at 2020, I told you this in the car earlier, 2020 has been, in 2021 and 2022, has been the most epic time of ministry in my life that I've ever wow. had. I, I've loved it. I mean, I know people have been going through tough stuff. And it hasn't been easy. I'm not going to say it's been easy. Yep. But it has been 
Like this has been the time where I'm like, God is taking back what the enemy stole and he's using us to do it. Yeah. This is exciting. Yeah. This is the Joshua walking around the Jericho moment. Yeah. Right. Wow. And, and I just think, don't we want to get to heaven 10,000 years from now and be talking about Seth? Remember what God did with us in 2022? Look how, how he used us mm-hmm. to just be a, a punch in the mouth to the darkness and yeah. to the lies of the enemy. Don't you want to be standing and sitting around the, the banquet table of the of the lamb and just been and just being taught like being surrounded by all these saints like Joshua and Moses and Paul and Peter? And, and and they're they're asking us wow. what it was like. Yeah, to fight wow. in in the 21st century for truth and for God's kingdom. Yeah, wow. You know? What's, that, what story do you want to tell at the marriage supper of the Lamb? That's right. You know what I mean? What, what, what will be your testimony? That's that. And that, that I cannot get that out of my, out of my mind because, uh, well, I, um, uh, I, <laughs> I, well, wore, I never voted because, uh, <laughs> you know, Tim Keller and Ed Stetzer and Russell Moore told me that, you know, the Trump gospel was coalition, a, he was so I read mean, something. Yeah. so I didn't vote for him. John Piper told me that too, actually leading up to the, I did. So I didn't vote. And uh, I homeschooled my kids and we stayed safe and we, we you know, we, we built a, a fortress around our, our summer home in Sodom and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, and then, and then when, you know, the spirit of the age and his serviles came to my home, I said, you know, here are my daughters, have sex with them. <laughs> like, do you really want to be like Lot? Do you really want to like that to be your testimony oh, at the man. marriage supper of the lamb? Like, Dude, seriously. great job. God forgive your can sins. You, you're in heaven. But honestly, like, <laughs> can you, th- I've never thought about that until just now. But Lot is a righteous man. That's what scripture says. So Lot is, for all all accounts, he's in heaven right now, you know, with what, you know, he's got to be in the council with guys like Paul and guys like Peter and Joshua. That's going to, he's got to be holding his head down just a little bit, you know, like, (laughs) yeah, I was a righteous man, but. Boy, I didn't have the courage that you had, Joshua. Like, I kind of wish, you know. That's right. That's so, yeah. I mean, I get, yeah. I mean, Lot may just be saying, uh, but God showed me mercy. There you, you go. Know? But that's what, right. Don't, wouldn't you want to be able to say, but God did this and this and this right. and this and this? Right. You know? Yeah. Don't be, don't be, but God allowed me to be in heaven someday because of his mercy. <laughs> like, that's awesome. That's true for all of us. But be the warrior. Be right. that, be that person that says, no, I trusted God and I jumped. And yep. I took a leap of faith and I punched the devil in the mouth so that's hard. Right, yeah. And and we're going to, and so I, I just think that's, you know, that's where I want to be. Yeah. And that's where you're going to be. That's well, where- second, in second Peter too, when it refers to lot, it says, uh, um, by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. And if he rescued righteous lot, greatly distressed by the se- sensual conduct of the wicked, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials. Mm, I mean, so it's saying that he was, he was greatly distressed about everything, but he just didn't do anything. Didn't do anything. Yeah. He offered his daughters. (laughs) I mean, seriously, man, like that's like, well, this is a guy who, who, you know, slept with his daughters too. So (laughs) I think, well, there's that. Okay. Yeah. Well, dude, again, thanks for what you're doing, man. Keep it up, and uh, and thanks for joining us on the podcast. Yeah, and, man, um, thank you. Next time, so, we'll have to talk about Kinsey. No, I know. We didn't get to Indiana that. Indiana University, oh, man, right gosh. here. Alfred we'll Kinsey Institute. We'll have to do Institute. another one on that. I'll tell you one vignette yeah. on that. Here you yeah. go. We'll leave your listeners with this. Okay. The Sexuality Information Education Council of the United States was launched out of Kinsey Institute at Indiana University, CECAS, Sexuality Information Education Council of the United States, CECAS is the group at the helm of creating, producing, and disseminating most of what is today called comprehensive sexuality education. The sex ed in our schools that created all the mama bears and papa bears at school board meetings in the last year and a half were pornographic sex ed. That's CECAS, okay? One of the executive directors, one of the board members of CECAS, I'm sorry, was named Wardell Pomeroy. Wardell Pomeroy had previously been the executive director of the Kinsey Institute. Wardell Pomeroy was described by Time Magazine in a 1980 interview as part of the pro-incest lobby. And in that interview with Time Magazine, Wardell Pomeroy, a board member of the group at the helm today of creating all the sex ed in America's schools, he said, incest between children and adults need not be a sign of mental illness. Children, Incest between children and adults can sometimes be beneficial. Um, and so... CECAS was started by Mary Calderon, the former medical director of Planned Parenthood in 1964. So the number one group 
that creates and distributes and promotes the pornographic sex ed in today's American public schools was launched by Planned Parenthood's medical director with seed money from Hugh Hefner with a board member who was part of the pro-incest lobby that came out of the Kinsey Institute at Indiana University. And when Alan Guttmacher, the president of Planned Parenthood, was asked in 1973, right after Roe v. Wade passed and abortion became the law of the land, he was asked by a reporter, and this is publicly recorded, Dr. Guttmacher the president of Planned Parenthood, Micah, was asked, how do we make sure we keep abortion legal? Two words he responded with, sexuality education. Wow. So sex ed is their sales funnel, abortion is their product, and your daughters are their prospects. So that's that's the quick overview of what goes and on. And that's here. Indiana. And if yeah. you're listening to this and you're in Indiana, your taxpayers go to fund that school yeah. and, and that in the Kinsey Institute. So yeah. the devil is using your own money to destroy your your just your soul your soul and our posterity yeah yep. that's right yep. it's unbelievable i and i for the life of me i don't know what the heck our politicians are doing by funneling in indiana a overwhelmingly quote-unquote conservative republican legislature majority super majority yep. and here we are still doing stupid crap like yep. funding the kinsey institute yep. time to stand up all oh hands my on gosh deck. that's so crazy okay if people want to know more about you where can they go my podcast is unaborted with seth gruber unaborted with seth gruber you can watch it on youtube or you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and our website is the white rose dot life the white rose dot life it's been awesome thanks seth appreciate you man you too brother keep it up this has been jesus sex and politics we'll catch you next time